Access Credit Union has always been at the heart of our community through good and bad times. We want to continue to play our part in helping our community through the COVID-19 crisis. As businesses reopen, we encourage our community to work together by staying local, borrowing locally and spending locally. Access Credit Union is here to help. Close your eyes and pull like a dog. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham County, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarty. And what a lineup we have for you today. In a few minutes, we're going to be chatting to the Balanine Bullet, Phil Healy, following her 11th national title last weekend. Phil came out on top in the 100 metres at the Irish Life Health. National Senior Track and Field Championships at Morton Stadium. And she spoke to Kieran ahead of her bid to land the 100 200 metres double this weekend. We'll also hear from Kilbritton hurling manager Jamie Wall ahead of their must win clash with Ballygarvin in Bandon on Sunday. Jamie also chats about the challenges of managing his home club and why the GAA must keep the new club window. To finish up, we're going to be joined by Jer McCarthy to preview the Beamish Cup final between Dunmanway Town and Clonakilty Town FC, which kicks off at 4pm in Turner's Cross this Sunday. Now, Jack, I'm actually going to jump in there because before we go any further, I think it's very important that you address some, I suppose, quite serious allegations that were made about you over the last couple of days. OK, Kieran, well, if we're going to do this, then I think it's important we add some context for the listeners. Now, last week, when we published... An interview I did on the podcast with Sky Sports head of boxing development Adam Smith ahead of the Katie Taylor fight. I was full sure that that would be the biggest boxing story I was involved in last week. But how wrong I was. On Thursday, Olympic silver medalist Kenneth Egan tweeted a tweet that caught my eye. The Clondalkin Southpaw wrote, and I quote, I will be in Baltimore Cork on Saturday night. Is there anywhere down that way? That would invite me in to watch the Katie Taylor fight on Sky Sports box office. I'll gladly pay the 25 euro fee. Thank you. Hands praying emoji. Hands praying emoji. Hands praying emoji. Now this caught my eye here and for a number of reasons. Number one, I live quite close to Baltimore and I was buying the fight anyway. So why not invite him over? Number two, Kenny is an Olympic medalist and a former teammate of Katie Taylor. So who better to watch one of her fights on Sky then with Kenneth himself. And three, I thought to myself, and I thought of you, what great story I could write from this for next week's Southern Star. And I already had the headline written in my head. The night Kenny called round. I could see it all in front of me. So I fired back, invited Kenny over. It got a bit of traction online. And he replied saying he was in. Now, Kieran, in the end, unsurprisingly, it didn't go ahead. Kenny didn't call over and it didn't come to pass. And in reality, who really wants to spend their Saturday night with a complete stranger in the wilds of Cora in West Cork but it was all good fun and everyone had a good old lol but Kieran as you well know that's not where the story ended no 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 not by a long shot the saga continued on Monday's off the ball let's take a listen 
to Joe Malloy chatting to the aforementioned Kenny Egan about Katie Taylor's win over Delphine Pursuit. Is there anyone down there that would invite me in to watch the Katie Taylor fight in Sky Sports box office? I will gladly pay the 25 euro fee. Thank you. And then you have several thank you emojis. You were literally begging, begging. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking I'm going to I'm going to be in the back of beyond, and I'm going to miss the you know the Katie Taylor fight. But I threw out the tweet, and I did get a few replies. And fair play to the people that did offer. So I was going to take one guy up on his offer, and I jumped into the car with the lads, and I told them the story, and they said, "I'm not going to any stranger's house." <laughs> F that, you know. So uh, we got to the B and B, and fair play to Ratmore House B and B. We landed, and they said, "Look, we're after getting the fight in. Chill out here in the sitting room. They made us tea, okay. biscuits." Perfect. It was just ideal, but yeah, worked out well in the end. Happy day. So then you texted your serial killer friend and said, I'm not going to be over. <laughs> I said, thanks, but no <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a nice way. So, Kieran, not only have I been stood up by Olympic silver medalist Kenneth Egan, and not only did I miss out on the chance to write a great story for this week's Southern Star, but I've also just been labelled a serial killer by Off The Ball's Joe Malloy, live on national radio last night. Kieran, how was your weekend? Well, my weekend wasn't as dramatic as your weekend, but first I want to vouch for Jack. I've known Jack, I suppose, the bones of two years now, and as far as I know, he's not a serial killer. You know, I don't think there's any pile of bodies stocked up when he's in, in his house in Cora. Well, not least that, that I know of, but um, sensational story, Jack, because Kitty Egan is the one who's missed out here. Because Jack McCarron is probably Skibreen's most famous boxer at the moment, you know, kind of River Island Boxing Club. You've helped put the club on the map. You, you're a boxer yourself. So I think Kinney is the one who missed out on a, a lot of one, I suppose the bromance of 2020. I, I, I think it could have been this big. So it's um, such a shame. I think it's Kinney's last, is, it's, it's Kinney's last. Um, but no, Jack, you're not a serial killer. Yeah, well, just to finish up on this point, then, I want to paraphrase the great. Grandpa Simpson. I am not a serial killer. I may be a liar, a pig, an idiot, a serial killer, but I am not a porn star. Okay, Kieran, we're going to leave that there and turn our attention to much more important business. And before we hear from Phil Healy, I want to get your own biggest sporting takeaways from the last weekend. Busy weekend again, Jack. I'm going to start with John Caulfield. John Caulfield is back in managerial hot seat. He's the new manager of Galway United. And he set himself a target of reaching the Premier Division within 18 months. At the moment, Galway are second from bottom of the First Division. So John has a big job on his hands. But we wish him the very, very best of luck. Sticking with Inneskeen and Bellanine, um, I suppose Bellanine's most famous daughter, Phil Healy, was back on the winner's podium at the Irish National Championships last weekend. She won gold in the 100 metres with her sister Joan bringing home silver. Not only that, Darren McElhinney won gold in the men's senior 5,000 metres, his first ever senior national title. Shane Howard defended his national long jump record, Shane obviously from Bandon Athletic Club. And another Bandon AC athlete, Nicola Tuthill, was one of the stories of the weekend. She's 17 years old, but she won the women's hammer, not only in a personal best, but in an Irish under-18 record. And it was also the second longest throw in the world by an under-18 this year. So phenomenal stuff by Nicola. Turning now to GAA. Clannacilty are true to the county ladies' intermediate football final after they beat Ross Carberry 2-10 to 2-3 in a semi-final last Friday night. Um, Clan will now take on Glenmire in the county final. So that's something to look forward to for the Clan ladies. 
sticking with the GEA, Lucistown Adventure in the County Senior Camogie Championship came to the end when they lost to Corsi Rovers 314 to 26 in a round four game at Castle Road. Um, Courses, as we know, are one of the contenders for the title this year. And then the Collins got 2 5 against Lucistown, and Fiona Keating hit 1 2. But Lucistown lost nothing in defeat, and Kira O'Sullivan, one of the rising stars at Cork Camogie, scored 2 5. So I think Lucistown will learn a lot from their first sojourn in the Senior Camogie Championship, while Courses move on to a quarter final. Finishing off this week, the Clannacilty Junior Hurlers are the first team through to the last four of the Carberry Junior Hurling Championship. They beat their neighbour St James by two twenty one to two eleven, um, and I think as well this really marks Clannacilty out as one of the teams that are really in contention for this junior uh, hurling title. David Lowney, who's been in with the Cork Senior, scored one eleven. Um, Mark White got a goal. Timmy Anglin got a goal. But from our reporter, the star of the show was Sean McAvoy who uh, scored three points. OK, then, let's move on. And as Kieran mentioned, the Balanine bullet herself, Phil Healy, looked in great nick when claiming her 11th national crown. And she goes for her 12th this weekend in the 200 metres. Kieran, you spoke to Phil a little earlier on. How was she keeping post-race and how was she keeping in the build-up to this weekend's 200 metres? Phil was in great form, as obviously you'd be after winning a, a national title. And um, what's interesting is... Phil is making her name as a 200-metre runner over the last couple of years, and she's hoping to kind of as well go into the 400 metres more and more. So she was dipping down into the 100 metres, which wouldn't be her, was a familiar event for her over the last couple of years, even though she is the national 100-metre record holder. But um, again, Phil was sensational. She did a superb win. Even though she felt she was slow to the blocks in the final, she powered through in the second half of the race, and, and she won 11 11.71 seconds into a very, very strong headwind. So it's the first half of what we hope is a 100-metre and 200-metre double. And as you'll hear from Phil now, she's really looking forward to going again this weekend. Delighted to be joined by Phil Healy, who picked up her 11th senior national gold medal at the, at the weekend, um, winning 100 metres at the Irish Championships in Century. Congratulations, Phil. You must be well used to gold medals at this stage. Oh, thanks a million. Like it was absolutely super that even the the championship went ahead this um this summer, like because like no one knew if they were going to go ahead or not. And then the like when the we thought they were going to go ahead if it was five hundred, and obviously that was changed to then two hundred people um outdoors for events and stuff like that. So fair play to Atlantic Ireland um for going ahead with it like right from the offset. They said that there was no spectators allowed, no coaches allowed ever before the government came in with that rule um last week. So um no, it was super and it is fit over two weekends, which is different for us, but for athletes it gives us two opportunities to race and it's like we're going to two different championships. This is the first leg of what we hope is a sprint double. So you've the 100 metres the weekend just gone and you've the 200 metres next weekend. But looking at the 100 metres, because I suppose you've made your name as a 200 metre runner over the last couple of years. So you kind of, you haven't done too many 100 metres. So you've you kind of dipped down into the 100 metres and it worked out brilliantly for you this weekend. Um, talk me through the weekend or Sunday, kind of um, the heats and, and the final. Yeah, and even say timetable-wise, like the initially when it was all over one weekend, um, the 100-200 would have been on um, over the Saturday and Sunday. I was entered in both, so when the timetable came out then that it was split over two weekends, that gave me the opportunity to do both events because I would have had to pick between 
the 100 or the 200 and I would have gone for the 200 instead so um it was ideal that I do have that had the opportunity to do um both events so yeah so we had the heat on um Sunday morning and the whole competition was so well organized and stuff like that and um the winds like for sprinting you want a favorable favorable wind but not too much at the same time but like we were running into headwinds so which isn't what you want but um it was the same for everyone so it was really strong so the heat were just about getting out I was nervous because I haven't raced since um the first weekend in March so it was um cobwebs and like everyone that I was up against has raced two three four times already this season if not more um so like at the same time you have all your evidence and training but when you come to do a race it's a different story so the heat was just about blowing off the cobwebs, cobwebs and it felt really good so I had that um boost then going into the final knowing that I was able and I was able to put it up to the other girls and then I was really happy how I executed the heat and then we came back later on for the final and um, I felt I didn't get out very well Um again conditions weren't ideal but it was the exact same for everyone else and I left it late to come through but I knew like I've had the 60 indoors and I knew these girls like get away from me always at the start um, and that comes with being raised rusty as well like because I haven't um, been in that environment and you go through the 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 like the zone of it um, doing a week after a week so um, I knew if I trusted my drive phase and just held my composure that I would come through um, and that comes with experience as well because there will be times where I see the girls in front of me and I pop out of my drive phase um, or I panic and then your technique isn't as good and you tighten up and different things like that. So it was about staying relaxed and I knew I could come through. How much time have you to think within a 100 metre race? Because it's over in 11, 12 seconds. And for us watching on, it's just so fast. It's like start, finish and you, you're gone. But within the race itself, like you were saying that you fled your score to the blocks. Um, I suppose for us on the outside, we don't notice these small little things. But within that 100 metres, how much time do you have to think about it, Phil? Yeah, and even like the tiniest of reactions, like there's like milliseconds between someone getting out and then someone say panicking because someone has gone out ahead of you. Um, and like yeah, you wouldn't really notice it on the camera, but you can you would notice it when you're actually in the race and you see them slightly ahead at the corner of your eye. So like thinking wise, you don't have very much. But even say like I was at fifty meters and I was like Jesus, will you move it like? Um, because I could see the girls were ahead of me and like I needed to come through and I needed to hold my composure to um. To get to that line and not panic um, and not tighten up at the same time because the wind was strong and that alone could make you tighten up because you're battling into the wind um, but yeah timing or like thinking wise there is very little time there is more time to think in a 200 um, let's say but the 100 is over before you know it. I suppose it's fantastic too to see Joan your sister she finished in third so there was two medals coming back to West Cork Um great to see both of you on the podium as well you must both be delighted with it. Absolutely, and I'd say even for Joan, like she raced a, a few weeks ago, and she kind of thrown in the towel, and I was like, "You haven't raced, like you haven't trained all this season to throw in the towel for the biggest one." So I convinced her to run. Like she had, she was like, "No, I'm done." Um, and I was like, "You can go out there and you can get a medal. Like you want to finish this season with a national medal and be someone that actually like came through lockdown and actually raced and came to nationals and raced, or do you want to be like a like?" not a soft athlete as such but like someone who was just like defeated before it actually happened so um convinced her to run and she was absolutely thrilled and um it was great to share the poem and it was so close so it was great to see her and um, get that third and she was even so close to second 
Um, the weekend was just a fantastic one for West Cork athletes as well, like Dara McElhinney, who I was speaking to earlier. He had a brilliant win in the 5,000 metres, his first senior title. Shane Howard and Nicola Tuttle of Bandon Athletic Club as well both brought home gold in, um, in the long jump and the hammer. What a weekend for West Cork athletes up in Dublin. Absolutely super weekend and say even um, in the hammer like that was I think the second um, for this throw in the world at in her category under 18s um, so that was absolutely unbelievable her her first um, senior title and she's 16 years old and even Shane and Dara like like Dara's race was a class act and um, he sat in behind um, John Travers who led out the pace and Dara kicked in um with about 200 to go and like I've seen Dara where he's annoyed after races um and as athletes like you want every race to go perfect but that's not going to happen and like um it's great to see him on the far side then that when it does click and it does go right and um you're just getting that experience and now he's a national um title to take away so it's a massive massive achievement and super um for West Cork and like even for um gold medals um Joan with the bronze like that's absolutely super to take home in one weekend considering the championships are split over two weekends um and it was great to get the um exposure on television as well you know like when there isn't an awful lot of sport on at the moment um and it highlighted athletics which would be a minority sport so um it was great to to get that coverage like I mentioned earlier, you have the 200 metres coming up this weekend so what's the plan this week so Phil is it rest recover to get the body right again to go again Absolutely. So all the hard work is done. So it's literally um, there'll be about two or three sessions this week, um, which like some people might think is very little. But like say usually we would be training six days a week and there's double sessions in there um, as well. But now the hard work is done. It's about tapering off. It's about recovering from um, yesterday and it will be all go again for Sunday. Sunday, this is your final race of the season. There's nothing else after this Sunday. So you, I presume you're hoping to go with a bang. Absolutely. And look, it's the short season, but it gets us like it allows us to dip the toe into that competition environment again and strengthen that hunger going into winter season. And then just like take your break, enjoy it and start the winter fresh. And like as an athlete, like you can be training all the time, but if you don't have the races, like what are you training for as such? And like you need like you can only do so much of training until you go into that race environment. That's where you're going to learn different things. That's where you're going to gain your experience. So, um, no, it's super that we had the opportunity to run. Yes, it's only um, two races as such. But for me, it's like two different competitions. Um, so it, it is short, but look, it's better than nothing. Would you, would you feel the pressure going into the 200 metres, seeing as you are like the national record holder, you are the defending champion, whereas with the 100 metres, you were kind of going into the unknown a small bit because you, like you said, you haven't raced much in recent years, but the 200, it is your event. So do you feel kind of there'll be a bit more pressure on you this weekend? Um, yeah, and say like even with the 100, I haven't raced um, the 100 at national since 2015. I won it in 2014, came fifth in 2015. So like it shows as well that everything doesn't go like like in a straight line all the time or up like us. I went from first to fifth. Um, and like, there will be that bit of pressure sometimes. And like, even someone was saying before the race, oh, I hope you get another record, even when conditions weren't even set up for a record, you know? So like, um, like I do have the national record in the 100 and 200. So some people think that, oh, you're the one that um, is going to win all the time, but anyone can be beaten on any given day. So there is that bit of pressure, but like, I'm going out there. I have my race to do. If someone is better on the day, they're better on the day. If I beat them, I'm better on the day. So um, 
you can take the pressure on board or you can totally ignore it and I would totally ignore it and like you can get defeated and you can get caught up in all that noise um, and that's taken away from your actual performance so for me it's tunnel vision and I'm out there to do a job and whatever way it goes I'm walking off the track knowing I've done what I could do on that day. I have to ask you too about your coach Shane McCormick's newfound fame after our story in the Southern Star yeah. last week about him popping your shoulder back in during lockdown and taking instructions from the physio over FaceTime or Zoom. Um, he was basking in the glory on social media when the story went up online. So how is he? How how how's he faring in his newfound stardom? Absolutely, like everyone's on about the shoulder, but like before, like when I popped the shoulder, he, I was like, oh my God, what is this sticking outside my arm? And he was like, no, no, you're perfect. It's the exact same as the other arm. So like before he popped it in, he was telling me there was nothing wrong with me. So, um, um, but no, yeah, that was a funny time. Like um, he was frantically ringing. Um, I had two physios, Emma Galvin and Connor McCarthy and Emma picked up the phone. Um, and she was like, oh, yeah, uh, Phil, your shoulder is definitely out of place. Um, so it took two goals to pop it in, um, and it was in. And, like, it was a time, like, it was, like, full-on lockdown, so it wasn't the time where I wanted to be going to the hospital um, to pop it back in. And, again, you don't, like, as anyone knows, with their shoulder dislocated, you don't want it out for too long either. So it was about 10 minutes before I popped back in. But, uh, yeah, he's loving his fame as a... Uh, uh, transformed physio. <laughs> That's, I, I can just picture he's CB at the moment, coach slash physio. So he's yeah. <laughs> he, like I said, he's yeah. basking in the glory. And I, I have to ask you too. Last time we spoke, you were going to hand in your thesis for college. Did it? Did you yeah. land it in on time? I did. So twenty nine thousand words later, it has gone in. Um, it's gone in for its final feedback. But um, yeah, the final submission is on the third of September. So uh, hopefully, there's very little changes, and that's it. I don't want to see it again. It actually strikes me as a pretty good week getting your thesis finished and getting a gold medal at the national championships. So um, all, all, um, all, all power ahead. So to this Sunday, best luck again, Phil, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a million, Kieran. Access Credit Union has always been at the heart of our community through good and bad times. We want to continue to play our part in helping our community through the COVID-19 crisis. As businesses reopen, we encourage our community to work together by staying local, borrowing locally and spending locally. Access Credit Union is here to help. On Sunday at 4pm, the Kill Britain hurlers face a must-win scenario when they meet Ballygarvin in Bandon. You spoke to their manager, Jamie Wall, earlier, Kieran. Was he confident they can get the job done? I think um, what's important for Britain going into Sunday's game against Freddie Garvin is that they have their their own fate, their own destiny in their hands. They know if they win that game, then they're through to the knockout stages of the championship. So um, Britain know what they have to do. Um, as always, talking talking to Jamie, it's always a brilliant chat. He's one of the one of the best talkers, I think, Jack in Irish sport. Um, it's just always an intriguing listen to him. He just makes so many good points, and the conversation just flows like this is a pretty long chat that our listeners are going to hear now but it could have gone on for a lot lot longer it was very engaging he touched on a lot of different topics and like I wanted to find out I'm just interested in the fact that he's the Kill Britain man managing his home team players that he's played with players he's looked up to young fellas coming up who look up to him it's just the dynamics of, of a fella managing his home club when you have tough decisions to make so that's what I'm what I was interested to catch up with Jamie on but of course the conversation dived off left, right and centre and it was a really, really good chat. We're, we're joined now on the line by, by Jamie Wall, um, obviously manager of the Kilbritton. 
intermediate hurling team. Um, Jamie, I'm always intrigued when when someone manages their home club. Like you've a tremendous track record, Mary I Fitzgibbon Cups. You've been involved with Kilmallock as a coach, the Cork under 16s. But now you're home managing your home team. How different is that to all the roles that you've had before? Um, well, look, I suppose it's very different to to anything really because, like you said, look, it's my home club and. Um, there's a lot of kind of different pressures come with that than any other gig, you know. Um, it's a very different job, regardless. Um, you know, the club scene is probably a very different job to the college scene. You know, I saw that the last two years in Kilmallock in Limerick, where you know I wasn't the number one, so I didn't have kind of a lot of the the extra pressures that I'm after learning about in the last six months. But you know, you do see like the club gig. It's um, it's it's quite different because you know it's kind of very like. The college thing can be very, you know, it's like an adrenaline hit. It's straight in, straight out, like six, seven weeks and, and you're done, which is kind of ironically the way this kind of championship is going to actually play out. But the club gig, you know, I noticed from early on is very much, there's a lot more um, in terms of like, you know, managing relationships for the longer term, you know, like you're you're there in November or December when you get lads going and if you're lucky and, you know, if things go according to plan, you're going to be there till October, you know, and that's like, that's an 11 month, that's a, a 10, 11 month kind of spell where, you know, you have to manage relationships and you have to, um, you have to, I wouldn't necessarily say keep guys happy, but um, you definitely have to keep people on board with what you're trying to do and with, you know, with the message and that, like, you know, I think none of us have to be, have to be happy with each other all the time, you know, there's plenty of players can be a night when they're left out or, you know, various things and there's no problem with that at all. But you do have to keep everyone kind of, you know, singing off the same hymn sheet and, and keep the dressing room, I suppose. You know, you, you hear them say that across the water in much bigger gigs than managing the Kilbert Intermediates. Like, but the bottom line is in, I would say, in amateur sport, even more so than professional sport, losing the dressing room is, you know, that's if you do that, you're done because there's no obligation on anyone to play. So I suppose it's keeping guys believing in what you're trying to do and that, and, you know, um, no matter who you are, no matter how good your message is, it's a case of, you know, you have to keep showing guys and, you know, why it's the right message and guys have to try to, you know, have to understand the why of a lot of things you're doing. And I suppose in the club scene more so than the college scene, that's probably far more important because in the college scene, you know, it's very quick. Like I said, it's it's in, it's out, it's over and done with. And, um, you know, there isn't much time for reflection when, say, we're in the club scene. You know, there is a lot more interaction just because it's two, three times a week, every week of the year, bar, you know, a handful. So that's a, that's a slightly a different adjustment. You know, you see an awful lot more of people and they see an awful lot more of you. And, you know, that in itself, you know, yourself from a workplace or from anything, you know, that is always something that, that is not hard, not hard to manage, but definitely just that you have to be conscious of when you're trying to manage it. You mentioned there about managing relationships and managing a dressing room. Does it make it harder, harder or even trickier, the fact that these are fellas you know, like these are fellas you've grown up with, they're fellas that you played with yourself, they're fellas you might have looked up mm-hmm. to, there's young fellas coming up and all of a sudden you're the manager. And with, with that in mind, do you have to draw a kind of a very fine line between being a manager and being a friend, like how do you how do you juggle those roles? Yeah, it is very it is very tough, you know. Um, and a brother, you know, <laughs> um, my my brother is playing full forward for us, so um, 
yeah, like I suppose, like you know, like you said, there's guys I looked up to still playing. You know, like the Damien Desmond is, is uh, I won't say what age is, but he's one of our elder statesmen, and he's been there since since I was quite young. And uh, you know, like even Ross Cashman, who'd only be five, six, seven years older than me, um, you know, was the hero of mine first, and then we became really, really close friends through playing together. And you know, I was on the altar with him last February when he was getting married or in 2019 when he was getting married and like, you know, so we've, you know, we've a, a very complex relationship that's developed, you know, and then there's some of my neighbours and, and then there's obviously, you know, young fellas that maybe might have looked at me in a similar way to the way I looked at Ross and Desi, you know, and, and so like, there's all this myriad of relationships. Like, I suppose what I try to do and, you know, this is again just my way, like, I don't see the point in me trying to draw too hard and fast a line between my friendships and the lads I'm trying to manage because it'd be transparent and it'd be false and it wouldn't be, it just wouldn't be, what's the word? It wouldn't be authentic, you know? Um, the bottom line is some of these guys are my friends and there's no point pretending they're not. Um, the good thing I suppose is the lads know me very well and they know me well enough to know that, um, you know, that I have no problem falling out with people or I have no problem you know, like I prefer not to fall out with anyone, but I'd have no problem making a hard decision. And if someone decides to fall out with me over it down the line, that I've no problem with that, you know. Um, thankfully, you know, we haven't had that this year. And, you know, the guys know that when it comes to making decisions and hard decisions that, um, well, I hope they know. And I'm pretty sure they know that, you know, I'm making them in the best interest of trying to win a hurling match, nothing else, you know. And, and that's all it really is at the end of the day. You know, I would hate, um, I would hate if, you know, you were to lose a personal relationship over what is essentially just a decision about a game. You know, um, but like I said, thankfully uh, the guys are the guys are smart enough to know, you know, that that these are just sports decisions. Like, and at the end of the day, like it's the the most important of the less important, the least important things. You know, um, so like yeah, look like I suppose when it comes to managing those relationships, sometimes I, I to be honest, where probably the biggest strain is it puts us on my life at home here. To be honest, because. Myself and my brother are definitely seeing a little bit too much of each other now between him going to Mary I in the last year or two and being involved in the hurling there and then being involved with the 21s with the club for the last two years and now the intermediates and now with the coronavirus, we're both living at home for the first time in a long time. So um, I think me and him might need an old break from each other soon enough. But uh, other than that, look, it's grand, you know, like it's, um, it's, it's a nice complaint to have, I think, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, I would have been crying out for this level of interaction with, you know, a lot of my best friends. So um, I'm not going to complain too loudly about it. You could probably use your role to your advantage with Philip because he has to keep you sweet now. You know, he kind of he has to keep you on the right side. So you can use that to, to your advantage, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, you might want to tell him that so because I don't think that's the line. That's not the party line he's throwing. But uh, I know. Look, you know, like um, I'm. I suppose I'm very lucky that uh, he, you know, he's a, he's a good hurler. So uh, there's no real you know, rows about that with each other, I suppose. It's just, you know, the age-old thing of older brothers and younger brothers, um, Liam and Noel Gallagher kind of clashing the odd time. And, um, you know, maybe maybe I ask something, sometimes I ask a lot of him. And, you know, by the same token, he might ask a bit more of me, we'll say, than someone else. So, you know, we'll, we'll clash about it. But I think, you know, the good thing when it comes to that is when, you know, myself, myself and himself, I'd say we've never apologised to each other, but it's just a case of, you know, few hours later someone will say do you want a cup of tea or something and that's kind of your that's your apology that's what you're going to get now and there's an old tete-a-tete and it's grand like in fairness now like I said um, we've, we have rows about it but you know the way that brothers can 
we can have a row about it and 10 minutes later it's you know it's a non-thing like so I suppose that's uh, you know and, and for the wider thing with the lads I think that's kind of just the way that you know any sort of um, discussions tend to go like I think it's because you're so close to it you have to play it to that advantage and you have to use that advantage you know um, the advantage of being distant or from the outside is that you know you don't you know you, you can be cold and you can be all those things but I suppose the advantage of being on the inside is that you know there's kind of uh people kind of are very quick to 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 get back together you know like in the in the very rare event that you might have a disagreement about stuff but uh no like you said look, look it hasn't been uh it hasn't been uh it hasn't been been too bad managing friends and brothers and all the like in your own development i suppose in your your journey as a manager we're going from like obviously the cottage side with um, Mary I, then you said involved as a coach with Kilmallock, now as a manager of Kilbritton in charge of, like we've just talked about there, fellas, you know, you're getting a great all-round experience so early in your own managerial career. Yeah, do you know, it's, it's not even something that, um, that, that has happened by design, really. Uh, it's just something that's kind of, you know, that, that's the way it's kind of fallen. And, and when you put it like that, it does sound, uh, it does sound like a, an all-round education, do you know, um, I've been, I was blessed. I got to look to work with the likes of Ron Maher and Keen Lynch and Aaron Gillan and, and these lads, you know, um, some of them were, were already kind of, you know, All-Ireland winners when I started working with them and more of them since have gone on and become All-Ireland winners. So you've kind of got to see the way, the way those guys develop and, and you can kind of track that development. And then obviously getting to work with Kilmallock and some of the standard of players that was there and, you know, to be involved in a team that, you know, like I'm really hoping they go actually and win the Limerick Senior Championship this year. I think they have a great chance of doing it. Um, they're very, like, you know, they, they look really good in the first two rounds and um, getting to see kind of that that higher calibre of, of club in terms of, you know, they they were in an All-Ireland club final in 2015-16 or 14-15. Um, you know, and getting to see the way a club that achieves that and the way they conduct themselves and then, you know, in the last year now, coming home to my own club where, you know, like we obviously, we have the best of people around and the best people involved. But, you know, over the last couple of years, we've, we've obviously, we've gone down a few grades and, you know, there are things that we definitely know as a club that we can do better, but, you know, that we're starting to do better and, you know, we've got the new field. And, and again, that's that's something that I suppose for a long time was was tough on the club because we had kind of, a lot of kind of money put into it and no actual end product. And now we've got the new field and the new dressing rooms and, and it, we kind of have a bit of a home and that's a huge positive step for us on our development, you know, and um, from, from my point of view, it's trying to add what I can in terms of the, you know, the hurling team side of it and being involved with the junior footballers and, you know, just trying to add what I can to an overall project that we're kind of on as a club to try and get better, you know, and, you know, we're not we're not going to be in an All Ireland Senior Club final in Croke Park any day soon. But you know, I always said there's no reason that you can't dream about that down the line if you get things right. And, and, and really, and I know like this is a long way away, but by the same token, if you don't dream big, like it's never going to happen. So I suppose what I'm hoping my involvement down here, obviously, you know, I've gotten a very broad experience and education in between working with young fellas at under 16. You know, when 15 and with Cork with the kind of the pick of young fellas and seeing the way they work and working with all Ireland winners in Mary I and in Kilmallock indeed and, and, and working with top club players in a top club. And I suppose I'm just trying to, to take those lessons 
and obviously, you know, apply them for myself and, and my own development, but also try and, you know, now in the next year or two or whatever, however long I'm kept here, um, apply them here and try and lend my part to an overall, you know, attempt from us as a club to to try and go back up the grade or two or three or, or whatever it may be, you know. An important part of that journey, so is this Sunday coming up, you have a huge game against Betty Garvin. It's a, it's a must-win game for Kilbritton. Does that make it easier, the fact that you're hitting into this final group game, knowing that you have your, your fate, your destiny in, in your own hands, that if you win, it'll, it'll put you through to the knockout stages? Massive, yeah, it's a huge game. And uh, the last time we played them that I was involved was a huge game as well, 10 years ago. Um, you know, I remember like that was the, the first big thing I ever won with the club when we won a county title in 2010 against Bally Garvin in the final and you know um, it is a massive game this you know I, I wouldn't say it's it's as big a game but by the same token you know at the moment the the kind of the ruling in the grade that we're in is that you have two years to win a county to get back up to intermediate before it becomes junior um, personally just looking at the results across the grade I actually think it's it's quite a competitive grade and quite a good grade and I think it's something that we may have stumbled on in Cork as a grade, but it mightn't be any harm to revisit that thing, you know, and that's not just self-interest because I'd certainly be hoping that we'll have uh, that we'll have won our games and tried to get out, but I do think it's quite a good grade. I think it's a great step up for teams coming up from junior, you know, all these solid Russell Rovers have had two tough games between Bally Garvin and ourselves and drawn, and they were in a junior All-Ireland final. Um, I just think it's, I think it's a good grade, but I suppose, yeah, look, to, to answer your question properly, it's a massive game for us. Like, it's a, Essentially, it's it's a knockout game now. Like it's a a last sixteen game, and if we win it, we're in a quarter final. If we lose it, we're out. You know, and uh, I suppose it doesn't make it easier that our destiny's in our own hands. Yes, of course it does because we don't have to be, you know, checking the phones for Twitter and seeing updates from from the other game, which is Barry Rowan Russell Rovers. We just know that if we win, no matter what else happens, we'll be going through. Um. By the same token, it's absolutely the same for Bally Garvin. You know, they know that if they win, they're going through, and if they lose, that there's a strong chance that they'd be going out, um, um, unless results were to go their way. So, you know, it's just it's just one of those ones that it takes the. I think there's kind of a false feel to championship games when when it's not all on the line. You know, I certainly know we played Barry Row four weeks ago, two, three, four weeks, four weeks ago, I'd say, out in um, Tim League and. And it was kind of a strange championship game. It was the first game back. It was it never got going. It was scrappy. It was kind of two teams that were kind of like, you know, uh, I, I kind of two teams that were just just feeling their way back into to playing competitive hurling, which is what it was, you know. And that's the reason it felt like that because that's what it was. Um, so like you know, I think now we've got we've had three championship games we've had we've sorry we've had four championship games now between hurling and football um you know so there's a you know there's no real excuses for that and, and it's simply a case now in Bandon on Sunday of go and win the game and you're true and if you don't do the business you're out and that's kind of the way it should be you know that's what that's what we were reared on and brought up on is that kind of championship championship games and, and that's what it really is now you know Knowing what's on the line, I suppose it's only natural that, that players might get nervous. But as a management team, would you get nervous in the run-up to a, a big game? Kind of knowing like you've obviously um, choices to make over selection and so on. But are, are nerves a part of being a manager? Are they a good thing? And how can you, I suppose, harness them in such a way that those nerves don't kind of, they don't impact on the players and that the players see you as maybe being a bit nervous or... 
Uh, I don't think there's any point in lying to, to fellas about nerves. I don't think nerves are a bad thing. Nerves are a great thing. Like, um, I, I won't make any secret. I was sick with nerves before the games with the club because, um, you know, there, there's always this part of you just just kind of is is very nervous about, you know, oh, Jesus, if we lose, like, and it's you're the manager, so the buck stops with you, and you can kind of tink yourself into a frenzy and you can get stressed and... Um, uh, when like you know look there's nothing wrong with being nervous about it like I think uh, I came to that realisation a few years ago as well where you know I hadn't been nervous about anything for a while and then all of a sudden Mary I were in a Fitzgibbon final and I woke up sick with nerves and I kind of thought this is what living is you know like it's 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 unreal to care about something this much like whereas you know when you're in that place where you can't really fe- have that feeling of nerves then I think that's a much much sadder thing so to be honest yeah as a manager you do get nervous but um, I think it's just about trying to be trying to be switched on and and kind of trying to be you know really definite in what you want to do what your plan is what your plan for the lads is um, you know and try to deliver that message as calmly and more importantly as kind of clearly as possible you know um, and if you can do that, I mean, at the end of the day, look, 15 lads are going to play, 15 other lads, one team's going to score more than the other, and they're going to win, like, and realistically, like, we should all have a look around at at, our, at the rest of the country, at the rest of the world, and, you know, there is actual big life and death stuff happening at the moment, and, you know, we're lucky to be getting to play, bottom line, like, we're getting to play games if you asked me four months ago, I would have straight out said, I cannot see it. I couldn't see it. Um, you know, there's still a bit of me just surprised we're even getting to do it. So, you know, on Sunday, two good teams are going to have a go and like, you know, we'll have our plan, they'll have their plan and, you know, everyone's plan, you know, your plan mightn't even come together and you might win or your plan might come together perfectly and you might get beaten by a better team. It's very straightforward, but at the end of the day, it is a game and like, you know, I think we've all gotten a fair dose of reality in the last six months about its place and its importance, absolutely. But also it's it's kind of sometimes overstated importance, you know. It's, uh, it's a hugely important thing, but it's not as important as what's going on in the world right now. And, um, you know, we should just be saying, look, we're very, very lucky to get to play this game. It'd be super if the people of Kilbritton and the people of Ballygarvin were able to to go and watch the game in Bandon. I have my own feelings on that, but I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to, you know, really get into the ins and outs of it. But, you know, it's a shame they can't, but that's what we've been told. So that's what we're going to do. The game's going to be live streamed and it's our job to try and, you know, bring a bit of joy to the people who are unfortunately going to be at home, but hopefully watching it at home and hopefully enjoying it at home, you know, and, uh, and I suppose if that's a big positive that we can take out of that, out of this whole thing, that we we know how much joy we can kind of try and bring to people because it has brought a lot of joy to people, you know, not just ourselves. Like, you know, you just see the internet kind of awash with people talking about this game and that game and talking about the Crokes and talking about uh, the Legion game yesterday and giving out about referees and giving out about everything and myself included. And like, do you know what? It's great. Like, like that's that's what we're doing it for. So, like, you know, like I said, yeah, you get nervous about it. Players get nervous about it. Managers get nervous about it. I'm sure, you know, my parents are probably most nervous about it because there'll be a big blow up in the kitchen here whenever anything goes wrong or otherwise. But, you know, 
you can be nervous about it, but it's great to be nervous about it. It's great to have something to be nervous about, you know, something something relatively trivial to be nervous about rather than the big things that we're all nervous about. 100%, Jamie, you made a couple of great points there. And before I let you go, I just want to touch on something you mentioned earlier. And it's like with the lower intermediate grade that we've stumbled on a very, very good competitive grade here. But with the format of the championships this year being run off as they are in the short kind of defined club window, mm. it feels like we've stumbled on something here that the GA should look at going forward. Because the more players I've talked to over the last couple of weeks, whether it's Martin O'Brien, Orla Finn, Martin Skelly, Sean White, Eve Murphy, Bentry Blues, I can mm. keep going on and on. But I, I asked him about what's it like to play in this club window and every person, I love it, I love it, I love it. Numbers are up with training. People are coming back playing the game because they know it's a shortened window and they don't have to give the commitments. Um, it just seems like we have stumbled on something here that should be explored, kind of, that there is something here. What's your own thoughts on that? Do you think this is something that oh, we've... Kieran, like you said, we've stumbled on, we stumbled on a fair amount of good things. You know, like we've stumbled on, a, like in my opinion, we've stumbled on a great grade in the lower intermediate hurling. Um, I wonder, would the football be well served by something similar? Um, we've stumbled on this, you know, split season, whatever whatever you want to call it. Um, it's it's an absolute must, to be quite honest. Like I, I, I would go as far as to say there's absolutely no going back now, you know. Um, we can't go back to that, for want of a better word, bullshit of playing games here, massive breaks, not knowing your arse from your elbow, and then starting up again at an arbitrary date because, let's be real here, Cork, you're going to expect them to be in an All-Ireland quarter-final, possibly semi-final of either code, possibly both, you know, um, in any given year. That's the expectation in Cork is that their teams are going to go far into the championship. So, you don't know when you're going to play again. It's And it's soul-destroying for players. It was soul-destroying as a player. It's soul-destroying as a manager. It's just, it's it's an on-runner. And I don't think anyone wants it anymore. I think there's a number of possible ways to, to do it and frame it. And they all have different merits and different drawbacks. Like, I love the fact that the club is going first now. Um, I think it's something that, you know, every proposal that we've seen and done, you know, Generally speaking, we kind of put in like a schools, colleges window at the start for six to eight weeks, an inter-county window and a club window. Um, personally, I'd have no issue with that. You know, I would like the, club, the county window to be shorter, to be March, to kind of the end of July, that last weekend in July for me should be the last, you know, that last weekend in July, first weekend of August should be the end of that inter-county and then a club window. Um, but like... By the same token, I would see nothing overly wrong with flipping that and shortening it further and saying that the club window is March to the start of July and start your inter-county championships, you know, the middle, middle, mid to late July um, and, you know, play your inter-county championship because there's, you know, your inter-county championship need only take however long. Like, look, I'm only kind of, you know, I'm thinking out loud as it were there, you know, uh, with that. Um, but like, whatever we do, we do need to go back to when we go back and if down the line things get normal again, please God, they will. We definitely can't go back to, to kind of, you know, club games in April, nothing for ages, then more club games. Like it makes far more sense if, even if you want to just look at, you know, a club league that starts in the middle of April and finishes, you know, a week or two before your designated championship dates might start, you know, and run run your club league 
concurrent to your inter-county, you know, and have your club league games on a sun on a Saturday evening. The county plays on a Sunday, you know. I think or or what or vice versa, you know, like that that and that if as a county you knew then things like that, that was the way it was being run. It just it would be so much more pleasant for everyone, you know. Um there's one more point on that, not to be droning on and on, but something that I feel very strongly about um is players on the fringes of county panels. Um you know, and if anyone important is listening, like I would be very much of the opinion that, you know, that an inter-county panel playing at the weekend should be naming 24 and anyone outside that 24 should be playing a game with their club. You know, it doesn't affect me if I up or low down because we've nobody on inter-county panel. But, and this isn't even actually for the benefit of the clubs. It's thinking about that player because what you'll find is happening a lot and, in particular in the last cup like you know in the last 10 years when the kind of the inter-county thing has gone a small bit out of control um, is you have up to 40 guys on an inter-county panel and there are some guys who don't get to play a match for far too long and at the end of the day you know they're players they want to play you know they want to play a game so if you have a fella from Ballancolic we'll say and you know Cork are playing in the league on a Sunday you know and he's not in the 24 he should be playing for Ballincollig in, in their league game that weekend, you know, and that's his game, you know, and like, I just, I just feel very strongly that, you know, in the past, that guys, you know, in that, it's an awful place to be, it's like, that squeezed middle that we talk about with economics and families and stuff, you know, it's, you're in that area, you're just really, really good club player, you're not quite at the level to get into the 24 just yet, you might be young, you might be whatever, and you end up actually never progressing because what got you to this level was playing loads of games and being a standout club player. And you can never kick on to this level because you end up in this kind of training cycle and constantly training and not playing. And, you know, it's just something that I would feel very strongly about. And I would love, you know, again, for the sake of the player, because you've got a short career, you know, um, even if you have a long career, it's a short career. It's 10, 12 years, you know, maybe 15 if you're one of the guys who goes a bit longer. You know, you don't want to spend all of it training. You love the training. You love the high intensity training, the inter-county thing. It does get a bit of a bad rap. And I think sometimes it's unfair because a lot of the guys playing inter-county, they really do want to train at a high level. You know, that's what they really want to do. And we should be helping them do it, not making it unattractive. You know, we should be trying to make it as attractive as possible to sacrifice and to live this healthy lifestyle and to try and, you know, be the best you can be, as I say. But I think a part of that might be trying to strike a balance in, you know, releasing a fella to get to play a game more often. Like, so that a guy nearly plays a game every two weeks, you know, whether it's with the county in the National Football League or National Hurling League or if it's in the Red FM Leagues or I think they're Red FM I don't know what they're called anymore I don't know if Red FM is still sponsoring but whoever's sponsoring the club leagues getting to play their club league game you know like if they're not if they're not involved so I look at I kind of got on a tangent there I'm sorry but, no, but you know, you it's just great, something that yeah you made a great point Jamie because I remember talking to Donald O'Connor a couple of years ago. He was obviously on the Cork football panel. Mm. And his first season off the Cork football panel, he played more games at Donovan Ross that year than he had in the two or three years beforehand. And I remember did a piece for the star. And he loved it because he was playing football games. He was playing mm. and training with his friends. And But all this shows, like, and even with this was with the 
with the almost renewed love for the club scene over the last couple of weeks we've seen it shows the value of the club scene of fellas of, of fellas and girls playing games with their clubs you know like instead of sitting on Massive, a yeah. instead of sitting on a bench or sitting on the side of a field and not playing let them play with their clubs you know kind of it's, it, just it's, and like and and like if what's soul destroying is like you know guys having to go do a running session because they didn't come on in a league game you know like you have to carry 24 absolutely for the game you know if you can at all guys that are on the suspension and unlikely to come on if their club were able to schedule games for that evening so if a fella doesn't get game time he can play a game you know again that's a little bit more complicated sometimes you just have to say look cut it at 24 but there's no reason why a guy like Donny you know I played under 21 with Donny for two years and like you know a really good footballer who you know what like it's like you know he's kind of in that area of really good club footballer may or may not kick on to play intercounty senior there's no reason why he can't train with the intercounty team and keep trying to make that intercounty panel for a weekend but on the weekends that he's not getting game time why not be like listen play a game with Skiver playing in the Keller Shield there this weekend play a game with Skib do you know like you'll it'll do you absolutely no harm because it's like you said it's a game of football do you know um and I think if if that's something that comes out of this whole thing, then that's another thing that could be really positive, you know, like that that there is a renewed kind of love for playing games. And guys know, Jesus, playing games, that's why I'm doing this. I'm playing games, you know. Um so like look, like you said, like we said we said at the start, like that we've kind of stumbled on this grade that we're playing in the hurling. We've kind of stumbled on this split season. I think look, in fairness to the CPA they've been touting the split season for a while. They've been saying that it's the way to go. I think it's been great that, you know, we've kind of got a free hit at it as such. And uh, it's proven to be a roaring success, you know, and something that like, I mean, look, like I was critical of, of the Wexford County board and the way they ran their championships going all hurling, all football personally, because I'd be suspicious of their motivation in, in going in that order. But, um, by the same token, they made a couple of good points yesterday after, you know, about club managers getting six weeks of hurling, seven weeks of hurling. And I kind of thought, shit, they have me there. That's not a bad point in fairness, you know. Um, and like, you know, um, that side of it, you know, like that side of it is great for the dual clubs. Like, you know, again, that'd be another thing that I think I wouldn't say they stumbled upon. They said, look, this is a year we can try it. And, it, you know, they say it was a success for them. And, and like, so this is what's, you know, like we said, even just chatting before we came on here like that, you know, there could be a lot of positives come out of this thing. And, you know, from a sporting point of view, let's hope that there are a few that come out of it too. You know, uh, for me, the the split season and the kind of the renewed interest in making sure guys get to play games is, is probably the most important thing. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, we're involved for games. We're not involved to spend our lives training and, to spend our lives on the kind of training pitch running or, you know, doing small-sided games or drills. They're all good and they're all fun and they all have their merit. But at the end of the day, we're there to play games. That's the essence of why you start a sport when you're young is you want to hit the ball, you want to kick the ball, you want to score a goal, you want to, you know, do all these things that you see, you know, and and that's that's why we're, that's why we do it. So, you know, like you said, hopefully, we, hopefully we've stumbled on a few very good things as well, you know. Hopefully Kilbritton won't stumble on Sunday. Hopefully he'll power through to the knockout stages. Jamie, come here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us and best of luck this weekend. Thanks, Karen. Sound. 
Great stuff there from Jamie Wall, as always. Now, before we preview the Beamish Cup final, I just wanted to pause for a minute to chat about our friends at Access Credit Union. The Star Sport Podcast is, of course, brought to you by Access Credit Union, your trusted local financial partner. Just recently, I went through the process of opening a current account with Access Credit Union, and I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that it's changed my life. I was able to open the account online during lockdown, which made the process completely hassle-free, and it was made even easier by the great support provided by Access Credit Union team leader, Amanda O'Sullivan, who joins me now. Amanda, I understand you can now apply for a credit union loan online as well. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, you can. If you thought applying for your current account was easy, um, you'll be delighted when you come to us for your car loan. Um, you can apply online just as long as you're registered for your online banking. A couple of clicks and it comes to us here in Access Credit Union. The personal touch still isn't lost. We'll still bring you back and discuss the loan with you. Um, and you can upload any supporting documents you needed, your uh, payslips, bank statements, that sort of thing. Um, we attach them here to your loan, assess the loan, and you can draw it down online. So we aim to do that all within 24 to 48 hours, depending on when you submit your documents. Um, and I suppose it was something that was in the pipeline for a while, but with COVID-19, it sped, sped us up to, to provide the service. Um, and it's really worked out well for us. And you know, for members being able to access their funds and still draw down their loan, it's been it's been a great asset to us really and to the community. I suppose, yeah, um, typically people always have to come into the credit union to draw down their loan. And, you know, for young people who may not be living in the area anymore, we were inaccessible then. So now we're back back in the market for these these members again. Um, and hopefully they will they will support us as we are supporting local businesses. And you know, with every 10 euros spent in the locality, it generates 40 euros for the local economy. So in turn, the interest that you're paying on your loan in your local credit union goes back into your local economy. So you know, everyone's helping each other with this. Great stuff. Thanks very much, Amanda. And don't forget, Access Credit Union is your trusted local financial partner. Access your money 24/7 from anywhere in the world with an Access Credit Union current account and enjoy all the benefits while keeping your money local. On Sunday at 4pm in Turner's Cross, West Cork League runners-up Dunmanway Town meet Clonakilty Town FC who finished the season in third in the Beamish Cup final. The game will also be streamed live on Irish Fans Voice TV and Kieran, you spoke to Ger McCarthy to set the scene for Sunday's showpiece. Ger, the Beamish Cup final is always the showpiece game of the year in the West Cork League calendar and um, just tell us a bit about the importance of the Beamish Cup Oh I think uh, down through the years there's been um, since the West Cork Leagues uh, first came into existence in the, uh, properly came in, in the early 90s the Beamish Cup has always been the standout cup final it's always been the biggest day out when it came to West Cork League football and historically Kieran teams that would be playing in leagues throughout the winter and into the spring would have more or less some of their best team week in week out not always but whenever the Beamish Cup came around, everybody brought out their senior team because it was historically played on St. Patrick's Day and it was the one big standout day in the calendar for the West Cork League. There was generally always a big crowd. Um, and just the historic aspect of it, you, you might be doing badly in the second division back then, but you could go on a run and all of a sudden, like like in every sport, um, a rising tide lifts all boats, whatever cliche you want to use. Uh, it's just historically always provided probably the most emotional and probably the Maybe not always the best game, but always the most emotional. I'm thinking of Tor Celtic defeating Drina a couple of years ago, one nil. I'm thinking of Drina winning it a couple of years ago. I'm, I'm thinking of all the great teams in the early 90s and the, even in the 2000s that have gone on to win the trophy. So 
it doesn't necessarily have to be a Turner's Cross for it to be special, but the fact that it is this year is an added bonus. Um, but it, yeah, it is on the calendar, the one day that everybody circles that they want to get to. Like you mentioned, it's at Turner's Cross this Sunday, and it's two big teams are in this year's final. We've Clannacilty Town against Dunmanway Town. It's the it's the battle of the towns, basically, Jor. Uh, let's look at Dunmanway Town first. Um, just was they're reeling off conceding their Premier Division um, title to Dream Avengers a couple of weeks ago. So is this a chance for Dunmanway to kind of get their hands on some silverware and maybe soften the blow of relinqu- relinqu- relinquishing that title? Um, yeah, absolutely it is. Even though uh, an interview that will appear in this week's Southern Star with Andrew Healy, their manager, they're still, you can hear the upset and the disappointment at losing it, probably losing it to Drina more than anything else, but still at losing the league title because they put in such an effort this year. But I think winning the Beamish Cup, they won it five years ago. Um, they don't particularly do well in this competition, but an opportunity late in the season to, to kind of bounce back, I think is hugely important. It's worth noting that the two teams will meet in the Parkway Hotel Maybury Cup final a week after as well. But look, this is the big one. Um, and I think the performance that they put in, we reported on it in the Southern Star, the performance they put in to defeat um, uh, Spartak Moscow in a cracking semi-final 4-2. Uh, this is a talented team. This is a team with a combination, a lot of experience, but it's the up-and-coming players, the Cahal Dalys, the Colin Barrys, the Reese Coakleys. This is a very, very good Demanway Town team. And they, there's an edge about them, definitely since losing the league title to Drina. They will want to win. They'd want to win anyway, but I think they'll definitely want to win on Sunday. What does that mean for Clannacilty Town? So if they're going to face a Dunmanway team that have the kind of the bit between their teeth? Um, it's this, uh, the, the big, I suppose the backstory coming into this for Clannacilty Town is for people who don't know, this year it's an amalgamation of what were two previous clubs, Clannacilty AFC and Clannacilty Town in the town of Clannacilty. The junior side, uh, the senior teams basically have come together this year and which has resulted in a much bigger and a, a stronger squad. Um, at the start of the season, John Mosey, their manager, said he wanted a top four finish and a run in the Cups well he's gotten that and I think the reason that Clannacilty Town have been able to get this far similar to Dunmanway um, they have a lot of GA commitments and they don't just drag players from one particular club in Clannacilty Clannacilty Town soccer club have a lot of players from different GA clubs but what they have this year Kieran, is a strong squad and they have depth when they've been missing key players they've had players to come in where in previous seasons um, and John Lee be the first to tell you this the last couple of weeks of the season could be a nightmare for them because all of their players were lost to GA and they didn't have anybody to step in this is a very very good team it's got a lot of good footballers in it that play a nice brand of football and it will mesh nicely with the man by Tony in the final if they both come out and play that's the big question Hopefully it won't be overly defensive because they're both strong at the back, both sets of teams. But they've got some match winners, Clantone. I mean, Ian O'Driscoll isn't a natural striker. Oh, he, 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 won't, he won't deny me saying that to him. But he's got six goals. Um, they've got a guy called Chris Collins in the middle of the pitch. They've got Aidan Pendlebury. They've got a lot of experience. Um, they've got a good defence. And then Owen Ryan, they've got a very, very good goalkeeper as well. This is a good, solid team. And we've written about it in this week's preview. It's going to be hard not just to pick the starting 11 for Clontown, but also the starting 11 for Dunmanway. And that's a sign at this time of the season of two very talented and strong squads. Their form going into this Beamish Cup final on Sunday, it's hard to read into the earlier rounds of the Beamish Cup because they were they were played pre-lockdown. But they played a semi-final since. You mentioned there that Dunmanway got the better of Spartak Mosgrove in their semi-final and I think Clontown beat Lyers. So coming into this game, who's who's in the better form? I would say Dunmanway, um, just by virtue of the fact that, like Clannacilty, their players were involved in GN around the semi-final stage, around the day of the semi-final, but they were able to pull out a performance. Dunmanway had to dig deep to get past Spartak Mosgrove, the championship winners, um, a very, very good team under Daniel Toomey this year. 
But what impressed me most about that, and we reported on it, was the manner in which they did it. Cahill Daly scoring in every round of the Cup. Uh, Mark Buckley scoring an absolute cracking goal. And that midfield, Colin Barry, you know, Reese Coakley. And as well as that, at the back, Stephen O'Donovan, I think, um, was excellent. And they've got Ray Jennings. They've got, they just have quality throughout the team. But they turned up. And what Dunmanway had to do, Kieran, was put in a full 90-minute performance. Now, Clannock Kilty will turn that in its head and say, well, they had to come through extra time to beat an equally talented Lawyer Rovers team. Um, and what was interesting there was that it was Chris Collins and I think Paul Daly, who wouldn't normally be on the score sheet, two guys whose names you wouldn't normally see featured there. But again, they went to the squad, they went to the bench, they were able to pull out the players that needed to get them over the line. And it, you're right, it is very difficult to judge form at this time of the year. But I guess from seeing a little bit more Dunmanway than Clannacilty Town in recent weeks, even though I have seen Clannacilty Town, I just think Dunmanway are that bit that bit sharper. I think the fact that they played Dreen in the last game of the season and lost out agonisingly on the league title, they have been playing to the pin of their collar over the last couple of weeks. Not to say that Clannacilty Town haven't, but I I would just, and I have gone with a prediction, and I'll be killed either way from Dunmanway for predicting them and from Clannacilty for giving them the underdog status, which they keep telling me they're underdogs. There's not going to be much in this, and I've, I've predicted perhaps extra time. But Dunmanway... Um, and we've mentioned too, obviously the game is on in Turner's Cross this Sunday, kind of Turner's Cross, the home of Cork City. It's the second time in a couple of seasons that Turner's Cross has hosted the Beamish Cup final. And it's it's brilliant for the West Cork League to have that game in Turner's Cross. Just a shame we can't have any fans there on Sunday. Yes, it's it's one of the things I think John Lee said as well when we were interviewing him for this week's star. Like It is regrettable because both clubs are well supported. They don't get any supporters, if very few, to their matches but reaching a cup final and getting to Turner's Cross, I think would have attracted a few people out. And and it's a shame. It's a real shame. And um, th- I suppose the one caveat and the one good thing is that the game is being streamed live on Fans uh, Voice TV, um, which will give people an opportunity to tune in and watch what will be a very, very good game. Potentially a cracker if they both come out and play open, attractive football, which they're capable of. I have my doubts. But it'll be a good game of football and it'll be a chance it's a small community when it comes to West Cork League soccer, as you know, Kieran. But the quality of football at the top end and also in the championship this year, to be fair, the second tier has been really, really high this year. It's been interrupted for five, six months, like everything else with COVID. But anyone that's gone to Adrena Rangers, the man game, anyone that's seen Clannacilty Town at full cry, anyone that's seen Lawyer with their strongest team out, same for Doris, Tower Celtic. I look at the teams that are coming up, Riverside Athletic, um, Mizzen and Spartak will add to the Premier League next year. And it's a pity more people don't go out and watch it. It's free. It's on every Sunday. It, it gets you through the winter months. Um, and this is an opportunity for two of the best teams when they're at their strongest, and they will be at the weekend, and when they get the ball down and play like they like to do, to deliver a quality final befitting the occasion. Hopefully the stream will work out well and some people, some new eyeballs will will get to see West Cork League football at its, you know, on one of its most important days for the most prestigious knockout competition we have to offer. Um, I hope that they will deliver. I've no doubt that it'll be a good game. But I just wonder, because a couple of years ago when Drina and Bantry Bear Rovers contested the only other final there, um, the atmosphere, even though the crowd was small, it was in one side of the, of the stadium, it was still excellent and it was still unique and it was still different. Uh, and it's a pity. It's a pity there won't be fans there. But look, on the positive side, you can watch it online if you wish to do so. And I think you're going to see a very good game. That's the good news. Like you said, it has been streamed live on Sunday. Um, just check us for social media channels this week for, for the link and so on. Um, finally, Ger, you kind of terrific, terrific phrase during the Menway Town semi-final win when Mark Buckley scored, and I quote, a thunder bastard of a goal. Um, yeah. 
Can you explain to me again what a thunder bastard of a goal is? Um, because it just it just captured my imagination, to be honest. Yeah, it, it I know it did because you kept asking me to explain it, and also because the reaction on on Twitter, I, it was the biggest tweet of the week for me. Um, quite simply, uh, anyone who's watched Mark Buckley, an ex Cork City player, play for Dunmanway, um, he has a pretty hard shot on him, a right leg. He took a corner short, turned to the defender, and he was at an angle, but it was right behind him on the sideline, and. He's one of those players, um, he reminds me of Robbie Fowler for Liverpool. He didn't have much of a backlift to generate power in his shots. But the power that he generated from the angle that Mark Buckley was at, and it absolutely ripped into the net. The thing that just popped into my head was, that's a thunder bastard of a goal. And like all stupid things that I do, Kieran, I do quite a few stupid things, as you know. I decided to tweet that out. Um, I couldn't think of a better explanation of it other than, absolutely thunderous effort I think is the cliche you'd use what a shot and the thing that as I said Buckley's capable of doing that but he has this ability like very few players to generate the power in his shots without I mean if I was to try and do it I'd have to lift my leg back over my head God forbid to get that kind of power into it it was a, a it was a turning point it was an unbelievable moment and it was just again there was a nice crowd there to witness it a small crowd you know week in week out you see goals like that but um interesting that the turn of phrase generated the response that it did on social media and via yourself um hopefully there'll be a few thunder bastards this weekend as well cheers Joe. thanks for joining us access credit union has always been at the heart of our community through good and bad times we want to continue to play our part in helping our community through the covid19 crisis as businesses reopen we encourage our community to work together by staying local, borrowing locally, and spending locally. Access Credit Union is here to help. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. It's been a bumper one. And before we wrap it up, Kieran is going to give us a quick preview of what to expect in this week's Southern Star Sports section. So, Kieran, I expect it's going to be a bumper edition again. Yeah, there's lots going on, Jack. Um, kind of obviously with the athletics with the, that golden weekend for West Cork athletes at the national championships and those four gold medals um, that feature strongly in this week's Southern Star. Obviously, we spoke to Phil Healy earlier and I was chatting to Darren McElhinney as well. So that's all in Thursday's Star. Um, match reports and reaction from Clown Kilty's win over Ross Carberry, from Coursey Rovers, big win over Newstone in the Camogie Championship. Um, Big weekend too, Jack. On Saturday at 6.30 in Cladove, the West Cork ladies take on Ahara in a in a senior women's county <coughs> excuse me, semi-final. And I caught up with Eve Murphy from Bantry. She's been one of the big success stories of the West Cork team this year. She's um she was a sub the last couple of years, but West Cork this year had no midfield with Eve Cotter and Clara O'Leary not available. They looked around. Eve Murphy was there. They've given her a chance in midfield and she has taken it. Um, so it's a good and interesting interview with Eve Murphy who touched on her athletics background as well. Also, what I've done, um, we've in the podcast the last couple of weeks, we've mentioned about the Clannock Kitty senior footballers having two Kerry fellas in their ranks in Darrow O'Shea and Joe Grimes. So I've just looked a bit, a bit closely at, I suppose, the Kerry footballers over the years who've played for Clann. So it, it's an interesting piece there. Um UCC footballers beat Cabri in the divisional and colleges football championship last week. So we have a report and reaction from that. Busy weekend in school by soccer. We've all the news from that. So, yeah, plenty going on in this week's Southern Star Sports section, Jack. And that'll be available in shops across West Cork and beyond. 
from Thursday morning. And if you can't make it to the shop, you can always subscribe online. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week. Thanks for listening to this week's Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever else you get your podcasts. Slongafole.